Welcome to Keep Sweet, the Positive World Podcast. I am your host, Joshua Gonzalez, and on today's episode, it is just me here. It is just me today in the studio. Matt has left me to go to Texas to visit family and whatnot, so it is just me here, and I'm so glad to be here to be giving you guys a weekly dose of a good news story telling you all the goings-ons around here and to bring you a wonderful interview. Coming up, I have an interview with Jackson Cooper, who is a major gifts officer at the Pacific Northwest Ballet in Seattle. And he has tons of awesome, awesome advice for people looking to have a career in a creative arts field. Know your business stuff. We'll talk about that in the interview. And also be sure to check out coming up his new podcast, which will be dropping very, very soon. It's called Cheers Queers, a queer people movie podcast, Cheers Queers. And I will be on an episode. So I will let you all know when that is. Um, If it's before this episode, it'll be linked down there. I will also link all of his information so you can find that episode. So thank you for checking that out. Thank you for checking this out. We are doing it. Today's good news story. Waffle House team and patrons make sure worker gets to graduation. This is an incredibly amazing and inspiring story, sure, but I think it also points out some problems we have in some of our educational institutions, and we will get there. So, One Waffle House manager was surprised to see his employee, Timothy Harrison, show up for his 7 a.m. shift. Harrison, the employee, had previously taken the day off in advance for his high school graduation, but on the day of the ceremony, he found himself without a ride, and the ceremony was happening an hour away. So he figured, you know what, I can't go um, to my graduation anyway, I don't have a ride, and so I'm just going to go to work and make money. Awesome. Now, instead of letting Harrison work the breakfast shift, the manager picked up his car keys, and was like, you know what? No, you are not going to miss your graduation. So the staff got together and some patrons got together and threw in some money because they realized that he didn't have a cap and gown. And so he had to purchase one to be able to walk in the graduation. So they got him a cap and gown and they got him to the auditorium and he walked at his graduation. And that is just such an incredible thing. You know, they say it takes a village to raise a a child. And it sometimes takes a village to, you know, get these students through all of their milestones into adulthood. And what I don't understand is how we still have a system that lets something like this happen to a student. Like the student did everything right to make it to graduation, and yet you still have to pay a lot of money for a cap and gown. I remember having to pay for my cap and gown, and it was like over $100. Like that's not every student can pay that. And then again, like not every student has a ride to graduation. Like why wasn't there a bus system or or some other system? Because we, we can't do that. We can't leave these students behind saying, oh, you're not rich enough or wealthy enough or have the resources to make it to graduation on your own, then you don't get to attend your own high school graduation. So that's bullshit. Let's fix that. Um, For everyone wondering, this was in... um, I cannot find... This was in Alabama. So I think this was in like the Birmingham area, maybe in Alabama. So Alabama, get your shit together and 
thank you, thank you, thank you to the staff and the patrons of that Waffle House for making sure that Timothy made it to his graduation. That is incredible. And I think we can use a little bit more of that in our communities today. And now on to the interview with Jackson Cooper. Hi, everyone. Please welcome to today's podcast, Jackson Cooper. He is a major gifts officer at Pacific Northwest Ballet, and he is here to talk to us about all things creative, arts, job, career, life, and whatnot. Hi, Jackson. Say hi to everybody. Hi, everybody. Hi, Josh. Thank you for having me on here. Long-time listener, first-time caller. I really (laughs) appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, And I appreciate you Coming on to my show, and for everyone listening, Jackson has a podcast, and I will be on an episode over there. So I will leave a link in the description for you all to check out that podcast as well. So go check it out. Yes. So, Jackson, why don't you give the audience a little introduction on yourself, the little 411, the little bio summary? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, geez, I don't know where to start. Uh, well, so I've worked in... It doesn't have to be a summary. Take your time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've worked in arts administration since I was 14 years old. Uh, I actually started out in arts fundraising for a local regional theater in Raleigh, North Carolina, North Carolina Theater. And around the same time I was learning, I was learning orchestra conducting, and I was also taking acting lessons and starting to like just try to figure out how to be an artist, but also be an arts professional working in um, the offices. I wanted to be a producer. Like I just, I wanted to just selfishly be like making thousands of people happy by putting on a really good production of Bye Bye Birdie. So like, that's like all I actually wanted to do. And, uh, but I didn't want credit for it. I was like, I didn't want my name up there. I just wanted to be like the behind the scenes and like, yes, you are having a good time because of me. Thank you. Um, (laughs) I love it. No, that's such a great mission. I love it so far. Yeah. So I, so I kept working in, uh, a variety of like arts admin roles until I graduated high school. And then I went to college. Um, I created my own degree in arts administration at the university of North Carolina in Greensboro, mostly because the theater department wanted me to audition for their BFA acting program. And I said, no, I wanted, I didn't want to be an actor. I wanted to produce And so they said, well, that's never been done, so you can't do it in terms of (laughs) a degree. And so I went to the business school and I said, oh, I want to do arts administration. And they're like, what's that? And that's never been done. So I just basically like Frankensteined a whole degree together that was ended up being a major in theater and a minor in business. And that's uh, amazing. I love that so much. And then from there, I just have worked a bunch of different things while still uh so i've worked exclusively in arts admin so i like ran a music organization i worked for a museum i've uh and now i'm at pacific northwest ballet which is one of the top five ballet companies in the country and um i major gifts means i raise money for them and make sure that people are happy and such which we can get into it but during the pandemic it's been a a great challenge but also a really great reward so to do so that's kind of my um summary so far and i've and in terms of like artist stuff i've directed musicals i've conducted shows i mean it's it's 
I've just tried to do a little bit of both because I know that each one complements the other. You know, I wanted to Oh, for sure. I wanted to really know what it was like to be, you know, directed before I became a director and, you know, sort of working on both sides of the table to understand um how those work. Yeah. No, yeah, for sure. And I'm I am very glad to hear that because I think not enough people have experience on both sides and the more experience you have on both sides the better like you understand both sides like you you understand when why the producer can't do whatever whatever and whatever when you're the actor in the show or you understand why the actor wants this and this and this when you're the producer of the show and i think it just helps everyone understand everyone better so that's amazing it also really um it also really helps with your own entrepreneurial journey, like, and how you, like, if you learn a little bit about how marketing works in Mm -hmm. a theater, you understand how, you know, how actors can, how you as yourself, as an artist can better um, market yourself. I, I, the way I wanted to do it, because from an early age, I actually wanted to be a lawyer. So I just wanted to learn about contracts. It was like, how, What's a fair contract? Said, said no one ever. <laughs> but Are I you kidding like, me? I know. I but- mean, I, I think I'm a huge contract nerd because I am. I'm yeah. a huge, huge, huge contract nerd. Um, my whole life is contracts. But I've never had anyone be like, especially like I imagine you as like a 10 year old, like, mommy, I want to learn contracts. <laughs> I didn't. No, it was more, it was more like I wanted to, I had heard so many I'd heard so many stories of actors and especially too. I mean, I, I know unpaid internships are a huge topic of conversation in the arts world, mm-hmm. but I was like, well, you know, what are the, what are the legal ramifications of that? Or it's like, how can we better protect yeah. artists without taking advantage of them? And I, I knew from an early age, like that, uh, that was a passion of mine was just making sure that number one, you get paid and number one, you get paid fairly. And mm-hmm. for me, it was like taking the legal route. So I really wanted to do pre-law before I even decided to like create my own degree. And then I realized that you have to stay in school for, you know, nine, yeah. 10 years. And I didn't like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, like, I, I think where you will deal with the most, like where you can have the most change for artists in the contract world is on the um, arts administration producing side of things. Those right. are the people who really make the contracts, <laughs> like yeah. point blank. Um, and so you don't need a law degree to do that. You're, yeah. you're like many production companies and theaters have their own lawyers to overlook things. But Right. But going back to what you were saying, it's, yeah, I've, I, I, I'm very you know, I've been very conscious and made a very conscious effort to continue to do art while also working in the arts business. And um, Mm -hmm. specifically for that, so that number one, we don't have organizations or leaders within organizations that are getting stuck in their, in old ways of doing things, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like, so that's keeping current and also like, what are artists requiring more now? Uh, versus, mm-hmm. you know, and and treating everyone different, um, and yet the same. So, it's I, I agree with you. I think it it just helps you yourself as an artist grow if you do understand those business side of things. Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, they don't teach you that when you're getting your BFA. Or yeah, they, like I mean, they, they teach you literally zero about the business side of the 
performing world and that is that is 90% where you are going to spend your time uh for any artist like performer especially out there I only really have experience in the performing world but literally you are going to spend 90% of your time on the business side of things which includes like knowing how to negotiate your own contracts or being treated fair or knowing what theaters to do what marketing yourself going to the auditions you spend very little time actually doing the art you know um, and in no yes and no one talks to you about how many taxes you have to pay as an oh. individual artist like and no no one tells you that no one tells you that no or or how to you. plan your financial future when you are working in such an up and down industry. I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's really quite amazing. Yeah. It's, there are the, I will say it here too. So just like a resource for any young creative, especially performer who wants um, to have a career in the arts, just quick plug randomly, because it's the only reason I've been able to do anything and like have success as an artist is a program I attended called Springboard NYC, which is uh, put on by the American Theater Wing. And they like, yes, we had some master classes from uh, directors and things like that. But the main core of the program that literally helped everyone become amazing in the business side of things were all the business classes where they did teach us how to do our taxes. They did teach us um, contracts and things like that. They did teach us routes to all the different unions and they did teach us best of all, how to live in New York city. If we wanted to be in New York, like we took classes on like, here's how to find an apartment. Here's how the housing system works in New York. Here's how the transportation system works. And that stuff is so yeah. valuable. It's more <laughs> valuable than anything I learned, I think, in my BFA. Yeah. So. And there's a lot of great, yes, uh, that's such a great resource. And there's a lot of other great resources, too, that are available, like volunteer lawyers for the arts and, um, you know, any United Way does free tax prep for um uh, people who make under a certain amount or creatives. And mm. um, it's just really great. Yeah. I, I, I also think that that's another thing that people don't tell you is that entrepreneurial spirit of like going out and just finding resources. No one tells you about, and it's mm-hmm. kind of on to you. And I, I don't know, but it's, I don't know how your experience has been in, in talking with people in the community, but I know the people I know who have found resources like that always feel like they were like, oh, I found that like three or four years too late. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, I wish I had known that when I first moved and such. And so I, I think that's a big thing too that needs to change um, post pandemic is just more accessibility to those resources. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and coming along with that assess- assess- uh, accessibility, oh my God, I did not vocal warm ups, <laughs> um, is is also what I what I wish for. We're, this is a little bit of a tangent, but what I wish for because New York State just released their new um, artist grants. They just o- like opened up the first pre qualifying thing uh, like this past week, and they are giving a lot of way giving away a lot of individual artist grants, but they still are very very much like firewalled behind a bunch of pre qualifications and and ties to uh uh like you have to have another organization sponsor you and you have to have like all of these other things and it's just a little too much still they they said that they streamlined it and i'm sure they did but it's still 
seems like an impossible hill to climb for an artist. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, a lot of grants are that way too. I mean, they, if you want to initiate your own creative project, you kind of first have to know where to look for grants and where to look for funding and then have some experience writing a grant or writing funding and stuff, which is hard because Mm -hmm. I I also have found that um, to no fault of their own, a lot of artists don't have their own artist statements or mission statements or values and such to when suddenly you have to present yourself um, in the form of, you know, an artistic cover letter some people feel very self-conscious about what they're saying to put themselves out there. And that's, that's also really something that should be changed as well is like, how do you articulate your own values as an artist? Because that, that is a big part of funding and granting Mm -hmm. and things like that. And, and another thing that I am having a problem with in the grant world is so far from what I've experienced, you know, we, we just went through 2020 and a lot of people are trying to make things, make art. Mm-hmm. I have my own projects. Um, I'm currently de- devising a show right now with a group of artists. And a, a problem that I'm seeing in the grant world looking for funding is a lot of times they want you to be way further along in the process in order to apply for the grant. And and that's so backwards of how art is made. And I don't understand why it's still like that today where they're like, you know, we need you to have a title. We need you to be able to explain what it is. We need you to be able to have footage or like examples of this work. And it's like, how am I supposed to get funding to create the work when I like I have to create it first and then get funding for it later. But how do right. I pay for that creation? I don't, it just seems a little backwards. And, and I know they're trying to have some sort of um, measure of making sure the money goes where it, they say it's going to go. But would it really be such a big of a big of a deal if 20% of grant money ends up not making a thing i i don't i would i'd be fine with that trade-off no i think you're absolutely right and i hope uh you know de blasio and all these people who uh you know <laughs> have all these well, we're getting a new mayor all this in money, november yeah or the new mayor yes i want to ask you about that at some point but uh you know whoever the new mayor of new york is um starts to open that up and i think a lot of foundations and granting organizations are recognizing that their granting guidelines have been very much um, shutting out a lot of communities. And I think, I think that's a big part of it too, or just artists who want to create, but don't have a specific project or God, I, I agree with you. It's like the worst is when it's like, do you have a venue or not? I remember working with an artist uh, on a grant and the grant literally said like, you have to have a secured venue for your project. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, that's why we're applying for the grants, you know, yeah. they are to get money to reserve a space. Yeah. And so, but I exactly. agree with you. I think this like bright ideas kind of fund would just be great. And just like an undesignated $2,000 to just, you know, start to pay for research or pay for your artist mm-hmm. collective to, spend three hours together to devise it. I mean, just that seed money is so important, but not a lot of grantors or foundations can do that. And that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. So um, 
Mackenzie Scott, if you're hearing this episode <laughs> after the last episode, I will say she. I, Grant, I have, please. I have to pat her on the back though because she had she did in the second round of funding give to a lot of arts and culture organizations. She did. She and really. She did. wrote a very nice uh, paragraph about the value of arts and culture. I'm glad she's finally attending the party three hours in. You know, it started at seven, <laughs> but it's now ten thirty and just ramping up, and she just arrived. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, so welcome to party, Mackenzie Scott. Happy to have you here. Now let's keep that <laughs> arts and culture funding going. But to individual artists, yes. I will say this too. There are really great opportunities for individual artists for undesignated funding. Through, but again, you have to find it. Like there are, there's like NYFA, New York Foundation of the Arts, they mm-hmm. do some individual artist grants and um, creative capital is probably the biggest. They do just an undesignated $50,000 for, you know, an idea and a rough budget kind of thing. Um, but again, it's hard mm-hmm. and it takes time. I think that's the other thing artists um, need to be taught is that it takes time. These business aspects. I mean, I, what, what do you think about like that? Just sort of the amount of time you spend you know, looking over contracts, redoing your contract, applying for funding, finding funding. Can you oh. speak on that a little bit? Oh, I mean, I mean, like a little bit like what I said earlier, it's literally 90% of your time and energy and the job. And like that, that is the job. And the performing is just like the fun you get to have after you've done the job. Yeah. And that's always how I look at it. And I think that's a little sad, but yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it's so true. Um, so I have, I have a question because I've been trying to figure out how to translate these things into theater training programs and university programs and such. And mm -hmm. I like that springboard program because it sounds like that's a good model for doing it. But I've, I've been asked before, like, what is one, what is one class an mm-hmm. arts major should take that is not an arts class. And I was like, well, I would say, you know, intro to income tax, but like, you, you don't, there's not a class on that. So I, how do you sure. think, it sh- how do you think this should be integrated into training programs? So, I mean, I can't think of just one class because there are a few that I think are absolutely imperative. And the, the ones the few that I will say are definitely a flat out personal finance class, just like a guide to personal finance. As an artist, we don't have a lot of luxuries that other people have with like steady salaries and, and, and benefits and knowing how to manage your personal finance a hundred percent better than the average population is what you absolutely need to survive and thrive to be honest. Yeah. Another one that I would suggest is a um, some sort of like small, like running your own small business class or like entrepreneurship, how to run your own small business, how to start one, how to run one, like just the basics of that. You will go so incredibly far because what you are doing as an artist is you are actually just running your business. I now have many different projects irons on the fire 
income streams coming in, but it's all under me, but it is kind of like one business that has all these different arms and you just need to know that. Like yeah. you need to know how all of that operates. Yeah. I so no, I agree. Like my main two. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I think a personal finance class is good. I think a basic entrepreneurship, like you said. I mean, um, I just finished up uh TAing for an undergrad class at Seattle University, where I'm also in graduate school for at. Um and the class was arts entrepreneurship, and it was teaching these students about creating your uh, like again. How do you how do you translate your own mission and artistic values into creating a career? Create you know while also sort of decolonizing you know these capitalist ideas of success and you know what it means to you know mm-hmm. it, it doesn't always mean making money. It's personal fulfillment it's you know aligning with your own values and uh i wish i had that class when i was an undergrad and i know seeing how some of my friends ended up in terms of like going to new york or going out to la and such um many i remember many of my classmates didn't even know how to write a resume when they moved Mm -hmm. when they graduated and that's you know, that's something that in this undergrad class that I TA'd, it was like that was a major project was writing your resume, doing uh, doing a grant application and stuff like that. It's like just to get yourself familiar with putting yourself out there and putting and articulating that because it, it I don't know, it's it's not very common to do that. But I would also say like a resume class, a, a basic like high functional professional writing class is also very important and public speaking, you know, cause if mm-hmm. you go in for an audition, if you go in for an interview, if you can, you know, that's, that's something that for sure. you, you learn by mistake sometimes if you haven't done it very often. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I guess we already covered this, but if you have any, like what are your main besides classes and things, what are your main like creative tips that you would give to someone who is looking to start a career in the arts or their inner career and looking to transition to a career in the arts like what what are your main tips other than the bit like learn the business side of things right because the business side i mean those are those are tips and skills that are just kind of hard skills you you Mm -hmm, should just mm -hmm. be familiar with again it's like just know what a like ask your friends for their resume and see how they do it and and things like that and um you know know the places to look for jobs know the boards to look for auditions it's like there's there's all that that's kind of the business side is just like what's the baseline knowledge of things that i should know to protect myself and to advocate for myself um and then there's a lot of soft skill things that I think people need to be reminded of. And one is that Mm. um, knowing your, knowing your values, knowing your mission and always checking in on that probably every year, because it's not going to be the same, you know? So really having a living idea of what you want to do, where you want to go, or at least the kind of work you want to create and the kind of people you want to create that with. So it's, you know, it's really going like, I want to do art that is 
social justice focused and that um, brings communities together through the art of theater. And it's like, okay, great. Very broad, very abstract, but I'm going to lead with that. And then I'm going to tell people that. And the people Mm -hmm. who want to work with me will work with me. The people who don't, won't, that's okay. Um, And I think it's also putting yourself, I mean, it is putting yourself out there. That's so cliche because that's, we hear that all the time in art school where it's like, just, just put yourself out there. Like, just put yourself out there. It's fine. (laughs) Like, you know, like show up to that audition, you know, go to that party. You never know who you're going to meet. And it's like, well, yeah, okay. But also it's, it's a lot about networking and networking Mm -hmm. takes the form of many different things. It is people, you know, it's also, you know, it's also people you follow on your social media. It's how are you curating your own career and experience without it being political? I think people mistake that as to be like, I have to be in this room. I have to be at this party. I have to be here, but it go, it has to go back to your mission and you, you know, it's like, if you feel uncomfortable going to, you know, the, the Guggenheim gala, but you're like, there's going to be a lot of rich people and I'm doing a project and I need to meet all that. Then chances <laughs> are you're going to really, really fail at meeting people yeah. at the Guggenheim gala who can give you money to do your performance piece. But if you, you know, utilize your Instagram, if you're like always on Instagram and, and you're like, I want to just crowdfund my followers to help me, puts get seed money for my project it's like you might be more successful in that so mm-hmm. use what you're good at um and put yourself out there and your community will follow so i i yeah. mean i i think that is a big piece of advice that i like to tell students i mentor and stuff where it's like just reach out to people talk to people get to know them um And as my mom said, I mean, the reason I started so young in doing this path was because my mom literally said the words, what's the worst they can say? No. So, you know, and I was like, I was like, oh, right. Yeah, that's, that's it. They can say no, but then my life keeps going on and I can just go do it somewhere else, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think not centering your life on one or two opportunities and things um, and getting out there and meeting people. I would say that. What about you? Love it. I will say the same and I will emphasize the knowing your values and knowing like being super solid in that is going to make you successful, but also so much happier in the work that you do. Um, there are there have been plenty of times in my career where I, I said I'm not going to do certain things anymore, even though I still felt like I was so early in my career and I still felt like I needed to do those things. I did not want to do them. I felt I just I felt very strongly that I did not want to do them. And so I stopped. And people were like, What are you doing? There's this or there's this job, or you're leaving this money on the table. And I'm like, It's okay, it's okay. I yeah. <laughs> I am much happier with like getting fewer gigs or getting a smaller role in doing this thing. Um, and that really just made me so much happier. Yeah. And I, I want to go back and maybe I'll add this in back in our conversation, but you, you did say, 
You did say how you do believe that the grant process is a little too stringent, the rules and stuff. So my question to you, being as someone who works a lot in that world, how how do you think we can make real substantial change? Like, what are the steps to making the the change to to those? Yeah, um, there's. I have no idea. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think they do either. Um, there are two conversations going on right now in the granting specific world. Um, the first is that we have to acknowledge that private and public foundations in particular have really historically and predominantly funded only white, able, white run led able um, organizations um, mm-hmm. that, appeal to predominantly uh, white middle-class audiences. So there's a great uh, speaker, Edgar Villanueva, who wrote a fantastic book called Decolonizing Wealth, where he basically is asking for foundations and high net worth individuals who have these family foundations and stuff who grant a lot of money um, to basically spread the wealth a little bit better um, across BIPOC communities. And and, uh, and there's a big push in the arts community of city, state, national, and local agencies like city arts commissions and National Endowment for the Arts to kind of widen the net of funding and uh, across more BIPOC and Latinx run um, arts organizations in particular, because uh, many of those organizations um, are very, are small to medium size Mm -hmm. and very grassroots um, mostly because of lack of funding. And Mm -hmm. so it, they're, there's advocacy efforts around, you know, by funding these smaller organizations and, and distributing the wealth to these smaller organizations, then, then you will engage more with those communities and, and put the arts at the forefront of uh, just the community, period, mm-hmm. all of us, um, rather than keeping them in the concert halls, in the proscenium theaters that already are spaces that historically have uh, uh, underserved communities have not felt invited into. So, uh, so I think that's really exciting. Um, And that conversation is evolving. And then I think as granting organizations, they really have to look back at the framework of not just how they're distributing Mm -hmm. the, the, the funds, but also, how accessible the applications are um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. where where they are in terms of providing access to artists and communities to apply for those. Please, please, please. make it happen. <laughs> we are literally begging at this point. Um, I am cautiously optimistic that ho- that it, it will change and that we will hopefully see some more of that happening. Yeah. So what are some, like, like what are your next, what's next for you? What's next for Jackson? You know, we're coming out of 
the pondery play and things are happening. What is next for you? I mean, I know you're still an MFA candidate. Yes, MFA uh, in arts leadership at Seattle University. And um, uh, still with PMB, we're doing excellent. Uh, we mm-hmm. really have had a lot of incredible moments over the last season. Um, and it was a big, it's a big, it's a company that's really, really runs on resilience and empathy. And so we're bouncing back hard Yay. and fast. And uh, in the fall, we'll be uh, returning to the stage, which is really exciting. Wow. And um, and I, I know Broadway's back too. Can't wait. To, yeah, can't September. Wait. Yeah, I can't wait to get my $350 ticket to Lion King. <laughs> I'm so excited. Um, no, I'm actually more excited about flying over sunset at uh, Lincoln Center. I'm very excited mm. about that. And, um, but yes, so... I've started a movie podcast with my producer Maris um, called Cheers Queers, where we drink wine and talk about movies. Perfect name. We have that. (laughs) So we have that. And then um, I have have a lot of irons in the fire as well, writing a drag Mm. show and um, working on a TV show treatment and a few other Ooh. things. So yeah, just a li- some some things percolating. I'm I don't like being without a project. Um, sure, uh, like like every creative type, yeah. working on so many things at once. Yes, although I'm learning to. Oh, this is another piece of advice. We're just going to insert this Ooh. in. Okay, um, yeah. Really taking care of yourself and self care is a yeah huge thing. So it's like I I used to be so busy like i needed every hour packed with something something yeah, creative, that something way too. This. and then um it it was only like two years ago that i it, i i didn't like burn out bad but i was just like i need to for my physical and mental and emotional health i need to like actually calm down mm-hmm. <laughs> so so i just it was just a total redistribution of time where I was like, I'm not going to fill every hour with something. I'm going to like work on this project for a little bit and then take some time and then work on this project tomorrow. And so, um, so yeah, so it's, I mean, I have a lot going on, but it's all manageable because I'm good at compartmentalizing stuff. Yeah. Good. Good, good, good. (laughs) I, I mean, I'm totally the same way. I, usually always am working on like three projects at once, constantly working on things. Um, I, I think that the past year has taught me to be better about giving myself the time to not work during the week. Um, you, really feel, we you, you, you really feel how long a day is from this past year. And I, sure. and I also, I also, I said this on a, on another podcast, but I said, uh, you really realize how boring you are <laughs> when you're with yourself all day. <laughs> You really just realize how little you actually do. Uh, uh, and it's great. Sometimes that's a really great thing to do is to date yourself during a yes. pandemic. Yeah. Yes. I love it. And lastly, where can people find you? Oh, if you want to be found. Yeah. <laughs> you will be found. Um, we're going to do Dear Evan Hansen right what? here. Don't get, um, don't get my podcast copy struck, copyright stricken. <laughs> I, I can't pay 
not pay the producers pay of Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah. They're going to come after me for millions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll be calling me to raise all that money for the copyright that uh, that you got slapped with. Um, you can find me on Instagram at jackson.cooper.arts. Um, always happy for a follow. Always happy for a DM. So yes, you can find me there and LinkedIn. I guess that's what adults do now is find them on LinkedIn. I don't know, but Instagram is preferred. Instagram is preferred. I love Instagram. Thank you so much, Jackson, for being on the podcast and for sharing your wisdom for all of the creatives out there. I hope you guys learned a lot from Jackson and go check out his podcast where I will be on an episode soon. And I'll let you know that as well. Thank you, Jackson. Thank you. And that was our interview. And I hope you guys got a lot of awesome advice out there. Artists, creatives, know your business stuff. You know what? Everyone in general, honestly, no matter what field you are in, you are most likely going to deal with a lot of these principles of personal finance and knowing how to do your taxes and running a small business and doing a contract negotiations. I think everybody needs these skills. These are the skills that should be taught in school. I don't know when was the last time I used sine, cosine, and tangent. So... Lots of money and time well spent in my school years, I'm sure. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the episode. Be sure to check out Jackson's podcast, uh, Cheers Queers, and also be sure to leave a rating and review on this podcast to tell me what you thought about it. And feel free to follow us at on Instagram at KeepSweetPod. Email us, KeepSweetPodcast at gmail.com. And follow me on Instagram at Josh Wadham and send me whatever your thoughts are. If you have a guest or a good news story you want to share, or if you're like, hey, your podcast sucks, let me know about it. I want any and all feedback. And I may have just opened a very big floodgate that I did not want to open. Okay. So thank you so much. I will see you next time to bring you some good news stories. Hopefully my husband will be back at that time. And um, as always, keep sweet.